Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. Lack of communication to their customers. It's terrible, you know. I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. What are they telling people about coming to work in Ireland? What kind of a paradise are they painting to people to come to work in Ireland. They come over here and they get a job, they get work, get nice wages, and then they might as well sleep on a park bench. It's been happening over the jazz weekend with some workers. Talk to them in a while. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96, and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. This guy is all over the newspapers this morning. You rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. We see it in the promotion of abortion, this lunatic approach of transgenderism, in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is mortal sin. Father Sean Sheehy all over the papers, he's doubled down on those comments, really talking to uh, our friends at Radio Kerry, as well, I want your thoughts on, on what he was saying at Mass in Listowel. And then that, if you're out in town over the weekend and the jazz festival was jammers and it was great to see it. And I was out myself one or two of the nights and it was just so good to see a crowd in town. So good to feel a buzz around the place. But Ian McCorrig, um was on twit on TikTok rather, put up a video of Washington Street, uh, and it wasn't impressive at all. This Cork, what a disgrace. As you can see, rubber central all across the city. And the courthouse is <laughs> fairly bad, like, you know what I mean? This is Cork. It's terrible to see, unfortunately. Put it in the bin. That's all I said to you. Now, that was the early hours of the morning. Uh, the litter we've all seen it but I think when it's there on on video you have to kind of say 
actually, dads, we, we are kind of dirty because we have a lot of bins these days. Or I would have thought we did anyway. Uh, if you're out the weekend, Anthony, to say. You want to go straight to line five, is it, Fergal? Um, to Jason uh, responding to... And I'll play more of Father Sean Sheehy in a while. You rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. We see it in the promotion of abortion. This lunatic approach of transgenderism in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is mortal sin. Now, he was standing in for the parish priest in Listowel at the weekend, uh, and he did that on Saturday evening. He did it again on Sunday morning, that particular sermon. And then he doubled down, as it would appear, at a later Mass. And he went on Radio Kerry yesterday to further defend what he was saying. Jason, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, sir. You were upset. I just, um, I'm very upset. Very upset. Um, how dare he? He call himself a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's talking about us as gay people, PJ. Yes. To be honest, though, I won't lie. I missed the start of the conversation. But what what is he trying to say? Well, the sermon his, he gave a sermon at the parish Where? church in Listowel at the weekend, Listole, Listole, right. and he was standing in for the parish priest. Seeing as seeing as you're there, I'll, I'll play you a bit more of it now. Here's here's roughly a minute of, of what the what what the priest had to say. Here we go. Okay. I was talking to a, a woman there a few weeks ago. Her 17 year old daughter, who was out with her friends in Tralee, came home, and she handed her mother a condom. The mother said, where did you get that? She said, an HSC van was handing these things out uh, in in Tralee. And she said, my gracious me, that is promoting promiscuity. That is horrible. Horrible. What is so sad today is you rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. It's rampant. And we see it, for example, in the legislation of our governments. We see it in the promotion of abortion. We see it, for example, in the in the example of this lunatic approach of transgenderism. We see it, for example, in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is sinful. That is mortal sin. And people don't seem to realize it. But it's a fact. It's a reality. Yeah, Jason. That's what he was um, saying. PJ, he's a nut job. Um, well, that's a kind of strong word, Jason, but I... You, you, I'm you, sorry. <laughs> uh, PJ, I'm 48 years of age myself, right? Um, I realised I was gay when I was four or five, okay? But I tell you something. Um, uh, us, as the gay community, we never harm anyone, never do anything wrong to anyone. But I tell you, PJ, the likes of him, he's turning off Christians' churches again. No wonder there's no priests left in this country. Uh, I tell you now, PJ, I am absolutely disgusted. Uh, He's meant, sorry, PJ, he's meant to be the man of the class, right? Um, but I'm telling you, no, PJ, I'm telling you, I won't go to church anymore. Okay. Uh, I'm telling you, he has... Does it matter to you, briefly, Jason, does it Sorry, matter to PJ. you that the Bishop of Kerry has said, I don't agree with this, and the Bishop of Kerry has told him to stop saying Mass? 
Does well, that matter? I think that's good out of them. But they're probably covering their own backs. Well, we... I'm sorry. They probably are. And yeah. You know, Jason, I'm going to leave it with you there. Thank you for starting the conversation. I can tell you're very angry and very hurt. Um, but, but, yeah, that's the kind of response that it is bringing out uh, those comments by Father Sean Sheehy at Mass in Listowel at the weekend. Um, thanks for that, Jason, for starting off our, our conversation. We were going to come back to it later, but Jason is absolutely furious. And I think there are many others out there. I mean, the gay community is one community. Transgender is one community. This idea that the HSE promoting safe sex by giving out free condoms... Like, hello, that was a very progressive idea, surely. But Father Sheehy stood up and gave out to the whole country uh, from the sermon in Listowel. The Bishop of Kerry subsequently issued a statement apologising for what the priest had been saying. I'll come back to this, but if you want to get involved in that conversation, please do. Uh, Jason has got it started, and uh, we'll come back to it later. 0818 96 96 96. There was a group of young emigrant workers came to Cork to get jobs, improve their English, and find work. Then they found themselves sleeping on the streets, practically, over the Jazz Weekend. Emer McCauley writing about this in the Irish Examiner. Emer, it seems to me that Ireland is being sold overseas by somebody as a place where there are great jobs and great wages and great money and all that. But not telling that you could struggle to find a place to sleep. Morning. Morning, PJ. I think you're right there. When I went to meet these six guys who are in their early 20s from Spain and Chile in a local hostel in the city. They told me that European YouTubers who were posting online about how great Ireland and specifically Cork is a place to work and how good the wages are, that played a big role in their decision to move here because the minimum wage is lower in Spain. So like young people in Ireland, they want to make money and save money. Um, Many of them are graduates and they come here for the jobs and they find a job quite quickly. Um, You know, yourself, if you walk through town, you'll see the staff wanted signs at the moment. Um, And then they can't find anywhere to sleep. And then they find themselves in a situation where within a month they've spent over a thousand euros on accommodation between Airbnbs and hostels, sleeping on people's floors when that's not possible. It becomes a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And are these workers coming over to do like what the rest of us did, Emer, to go to Boston and go to New York and go to London and go to Glasgow to work in pubs and bars and restaurants or or, or on on building sites or are they people coming in with specific skills like in IT and that sort of thing who come and get a good, solid, strong IT job and then find themselves without a place to live or is it a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think, you know, the guys I spoke to, many of them do have a degree in IT or business management, but they've taken a job in a pub until they can get a higher paying job. One of the people living in the hostel is a qualified school teacher, for example, Uh, but he's taken um, the first job that he could find. And I think the impression is, oh, you'll find something that will get you through pretty quickly 
And then you can focus on getting to know the area and getting to find another job. I think it's also happening where there are people coming to work for the big tech companies in Cork. And I lived with someone who was in this position previously and their employer will put them up for the first month. Maybe they're from Finland or somewhere else in Europe. And then after that first month, they've got to find their own accommodation. But they don't know how difficult that's going to be. And I think it's even more difficult when you don't know how the rental market works in Cork. I mean, there's 11 rooms available to share on Daft today. People don't get responses back from Daft that often anymore. And the rest happens through social media and Facebook. Uh, And then you're open to scams and other pitfalls, you know? You wrote about one woman who... Uh, went to view a room only to be told she might be sharing it with an older man. The room. Yeah, so Alva, uh, I think she's 22 and she's over from Spain. She's a recent graduate and she had only been here for a few days and she went to view a room in the Shandon area uh, and a woman that from social media Uh, had agreed to meet her and bring her to the viewing. Uh, And she thought it was, you know, to rent a room for 600 euros. And on the way, the woman told her, oh, you're actually going to be sharing the room with a man, but it's fine. People do this here. Um, People do this here? I mean, I I think some people are sharing rooms. I think we're definitely at that stage now. But I don't think it would be seen as the norm. And I certainly wouldn't see it as safe. And thankfully, she certainly didn't Certainly not, Emer, with the total... Not, not, not with the total stranger of the opposite sex, for sure. It'd be nobody's choice, would it? Yeah. No, and thankfully, she ran away in the street because she thought, well, there's something not right here. Um, but it's horrible that people are coming to Cork and getting that experience because... You know, it's not representative of what people are like here. I think that people know that people are in a vulnerable position when it comes to housing and Mm. they're ready to take advantage of them. Like we know there are good jobs here. We know there are very good wages in certain professions and technology work here and plenty of work for people. But who is selling this message without pointing out the pitfalls, do you think? I think it's a combination of online influencers. I think word gets around. I mean, Spanish people, they'd be one of the groups where we have kind of over 10,000 Spanish people living in Ireland. Um, So people go home again and they say they had a great time. And maybe they did three or four years ago. But as you know, it gets worse every single year and it gets more difficult. Uh, I don't know what messaging embassies are putting out. Uh, also, I think you're speaking to Joaquin in a bit, yes, who's one be. of the students living in a hostel in the city. He came to Cork through one of the language colleges to improve his English and, and, and paid the fee for the six-month course up front. And I don't think he felt that he was warned very well how difficult it was going to be to find accommodation. I do know some of those colleges have schemes where they have host families mm. and some actually have self-catered apartments, but I don't know how difficult they are finding it to accommodate people now. All right, Emer, leave it there. Thank you. Emer McCauley, the Irish Examiner, has been writing extensively about this. Uh, thank you. People are coming from overseas to either take up a skilled job in a, an established business here or to get their first job on the way to getting a more established job or to join a language course to improve their English. 
Are they going to? I'd, I'd hate to think, for example, that anyone's going to a recruitment fair in Barcelona or Madrid and hearing about this wonderful streets are paved with gold, loads of money, great jobs. And there are loads, there are great jobs and there is loads of money to be had in some sectors here. But then no one's telling them, well, you'll be struggling for a place to sleep. I'll talk to one or two of these people next. Here at Cork's 96 FM, we're celebrating our seven Imro Radio Awards. We won gold for Best Breakfast Show. Silver for Best Entertainment Presenter. Best Radio DJ and Best News Story. Bronze for Music Station of the Year, Radio Moment of the Year and Best Interactive Speech Program. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening from your Imro award-winning station. Courts 96 FM. Yeah, you'd wonder how people find out about Ireland and what they're being told uh, when they decide to come here. Pablo, buenos dias. Hi, hello, hi. How are you? You, you're one of the people who is struggling for a place to stay at the moment. Tell me your story. Yes, I am. Well, I went to Ireland because I already found, let's say, that an accommodation um, from Spain. I found a housing cough. So I was saying, well, it's all right. I just came here. And during the way, a guy just called me when I was just to get to Dublin. Um, a guy called me telling me that they, the whole thing was a scam. Um, that guy was a prosecutor, was prosecuted by law, sorry. And the house had an order of eviction in less than, less than 20 days. Okay, so let, let's, without naming and, anywhere, Pablo, let me, let me just outline what happened here. So you were coming over... And you had yep. arranged, as you thought, accommodation. And and on your yes. way, you got a call to say, actually, that accommodation doesn't exist or you'll be evicted in, 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 in 20 days. It is actually worse because scammers, um, the thing with the scammers is they play with houses that don't exist. This house existed yeah. just under an eviction order. So this is kind of like a, the house actually exists. So it was a double scam. So had you given anybody money for this, Pablo? 800. Oh, 800 you've given. The, de- the, de- the deposit. And can you possibly get that back now? No, no, I don't think so because he's prosecuted by law. <laughs> he's a criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where are you staying now, mate? Well, I'm staying um, basically at Sheila's. It's a hostel, yeah. um, northern yeah. side of the of very the near, very near city. Very near to us here at the radio station, Pablo. Very near to us. Yeah. <laughs> and um, every I have to change the place every weekend, almost every week. Yeah. And what I are you stayed. Doing? What, what, uh, what work are yeah. you doing? What work are you doing? Uh, well, I'm working in a pub. I'm a bartender okay. in Saint Pedro Street. So that's no problem. I just found it the first day. The accommodation thing is quite different. I've been staying at the houses, uh, obviously not my, just uh, borrowed couches and I've been staying at cars and changing every week from hostel to hostel. So it's like a very kind of difficult thing because you have to do a normal daily life. You know, you have to do the laundry and you have to go to a proper sleep. And you, this weekend just gone, 
obviously yep. no experience of, of the Cork Jazz Weekend before. It's such a busy weekend. Where did you spend the weekend? Well, I had to commute uh, between centre of Cork and a village uh, road in the middle of nowhere, uh, northern Bali Gullic. Okay. So I had to take a cab, like in the morning, uh, two, three in the morning. It's very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know anything about the Jazz Fest. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> nowhere to be had and, and all of that. So no, I, I, I was uh, I've been looking for accommodation for the weekend for like weeks since I found out a month ago. Uh, but now hostels and, and hotels and even Airbnbs is like very expensive. It's crazy. It's like three hundred the the whole weekend. That would be that would mean working for losing money. Yes, I know. And Pablo, how did you find out about Ireland and Cork? And well, that might not, be a place to come to. Um, the thing is, I've, I've been thinking about the idea of coming over here uh, for years. I love Ireland. I want to live here. I'm not here to make money. Um, I knew it's what it, I knew that there was a crisis, just not that big, not that huge. Yeah. And I've also, in fact, I mean. I have a degree. I can speak perfectly English. So I thought it was going to be easier for me. But yes. no, there's no, you know, there's no margin. Yeah. Are you thinking you might not stay or what are you doing? I want to stay. Um, I just don't know how. Yeah. But we're all keep trying. We're all trying. Until the moment, nobody has quit. Yeah. And are there a lot of you, Pablo? You've obviously met other countrymen of yours here. Are there many of you around that you know? I'm sorry, can you say that again? How many of you are... You're, you've met some friends now. There's a group of you now. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Spanish people, yes. we can be like 12 or 14. It depends because... It's, Every day in the hostels is different. So new people come here, um, all the people move to another, to another city. But yes, we can be like 20 immigrants right now where we're living. Yeah. Where, where are we staying? Yeah, and you all, you all, have, you all have work. Uh, and you, Pablo, have extremely good English. A lot better, I may tell you, than my Spanish. Well done. Um, <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have a degree. You're of value to our economy. And yet you're you're jumping around from couches to wherever you can manage to put your head down to hostels, and it's costing you more to stay in town than you're actually earning over the weekend. Pablo, thank you for talking to me. Sorry you're going through that, mate. And good luck. I hope it gets better for you. Uh, Joaquin, good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Hi. Now you came here. I think you you stayed on 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 a friend's floor since you came here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I'm well. Uh, can, can I tell my story? Or please, something? please, please. Oh well, I'm I'm from Chile. I'm the guy that is from Chile, and now I'm living with this Spanish guy. My today is my she. They are they are my friends. Sure. So I'm a, a civil industrial engineer, engineer uh, with a minor in environment and energy. Yes. I I have been working in a construction company in Chile for three years. 
and want to make a pause in in my real life and come here for improve my my English uh, to be uh, a better professional. Okay. You know. Okay. So well, I'm I'm living in a, in the hostel too with the with the Spanish people, my my friend, uh, etc. Um, and we live all so bad situation like uh, you are talking with with Pablo. Yeah. Uh, for example, two of our friends uh, uh, sleep on the street uh, one night. Uh, there is a so bad situation. Um, the 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 cause of you, you must pay a lot of money to sleep in in a bed in in the town. Uh, some some guys uh, rent a, a room for a night, so you uh, the hostel uh, is so expensive, so it's so difficult for us to uh, find a place to a place to to, to sleep. With. Yeah. And when you were making plans, packing to come to Ireland to come to Cork. Did anybody yeah. tell you it would be difficult to get a place to stay? No, no. Anybody tell me, and, and I'm so I'm not angry, but I, I have a some situation with my with my school. I don't want to say her name. Okay. But but uh, she don't. They don't tell me that. Uh, maybe if I know this situation here, I think two or three times uh, if if Cork the better option to to come for improve English. Yes, because it's so it's so difficult. I really I don't have uh, having a, a good time uh, here. Yes, D- have you lost a job because you have nowhere to stay? And is that what I understand? Yeah, uh, about my job. Uh, well, I I have two two jobs here, uh, a part time job that I'm work uh, only on weekends. Right, so so great. The pay is, is great. I can with, with that money I can pay the, the hostel. Yes. And I have I I really left a bad situation the last weekend because I was working in, in subway. But the last weekend I don't have accommodation here in Cork because with the the jazz festival uh, the accommodation price was so expensive and there are no possibility to rent a room. Sure. So I talked with my boss that I can't uh, work this weekend because I need to go to another city. I have a friend that's living in Dungarvan, for example. Yes. And I wa- I, I wanna uh, when I went uh, today to her house for for rest, and my boss kicked me because uh, I, because I said that I, I can't stay in in Cork. Sorry. It was soon I, I was fired because I don't have a, a accommodation. Yes, because you 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 can't get to work on time and whatever. I I, I got again, of course, because I I work in the night, so the north bus. Uh, that go to from Cork to Dungarvan yeah. at three a.m. No, there's no way of so, doing that. No. There's no way of doing that. See, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so what are you so going to do, Joaquin? Are you going to stay here or are you going to go back to Chile? Or what? Yeah, you no, 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 no. I want to stay here. Um, well, uh, how I tell us, um, I was working in Chile, so I have money that I'm, I'm, I want. No, no, I want, but I'm, I'm prepared to. To spending hostel oh. to to learn English. My target my target here is, is learning English. I can't go home <laughs> without a, a, a with a, a bad English. I need to, to be to have a, a great English. Well, your English is is very good uh, really? as, it, as it is and well done, well done. Well, and, and two and two, I, I my my school are totally paid, so I I don't wanna I can't uh, get back my money. There you so go. I, yeah, only wanna stay here to to. Okay. Joaquin, I, I hope it works out better for you. I really hope that you find somewhere 
soon. And the same with Pablo. There's Joaquin. He had to pack in, or his boss made it clear to him, I can't have you working at my place here in Cork if you have to stay in Dungarvan. Because it's not feasible. Where are you going, how are you going to get to Dungarvan at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning? But I'm just wondering, I'm just throwing it out there, who is selling Cork or selling Ireland as this fabulous place to learn and live and work? And it's all of those things. Fabulous place to learn and live and work. But no one's telling Joaquin or no one's telling Pablo <laughs> of the mess they'll find themselves in when they get here. And Pablo in particular there uh, scammed. He paid 800 quid only to discover that the, the, the house, well, there was an eviction order on the house and the law was involved and, and all of that. Do you want to take that call before the, 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 the tune? Or will I do it? We've lots of people responding off air and we will continue the conversation on air later in the morning about uh, Father Sheehy in Listowel. If you haven't heard it, uh, it's all over the newspapers this morning and people might have been just recovering from the jazz yesterday or the day before, so mightn't have come to their minds yet. But this is Father Sean Sheehy, um, an elderly priest who was deputising for the parish priest of Listowel at the weekend and he cut loose on a number of different sectors of society briefly again very briefly here's what he was saying you rarely hear about sin but it's rampant we see it in the promotion of abortion this lunatic approach of transgenderism in the promotion of sex between two men or two women that is mortal sin D morning good morning you listening to it I was listening to it in, in, I was in bed and I heard it, and I actually thought it was a clip from some kind of sick movie, until you said it was a real-life priest. Yeah. I was horrified. Yeah. The guy should be defrocked, I'm sorry. Well, his bishop just... has, <laughs> has come out and apologised over the homily, said the views expressed were not representative of Christianity. And as you'll hear later, uh, the bishop also, or the priest rather, spoke on Radio Kerry... Uh, to say he stands over everything he said. Well, he should lose his job straight away. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting in this day and age. Yeah. People are people, and if people are happy, let them be. I mean, I think I read somewhere that there is actually more sex and violence in the Bible than in any other publication. So, I've read that but one I'm before. not. I'm not a religious person, yeah. but. I was absolutely horrified by what he said. I really thought it was from some kind of X-rated movie. Yeah, like the Bishop of, of Kerry, as Bishop Ray Brown, issued a strongly worded statement Tuesday saying he was aware of the deep upset and hurt caused by the contents of the homily and I believe has now asked Father Sheehy not to say Mass anymore. Um, he shouldn't be allowed to, to be even in the job. Yeah. I thought the church was supposed to be, you know, compassion and advice and guidance and support. Yes. That's how I was brought up, thinking of the church. I mean, I, as I said, I'm not, I'm not religious in any way. But yeah. people are people, and I, I, oh, I'm just horrified. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about the, the history of, of what the church was involved in over the years, <laughs> mother and baby homes were innocent yeah. women. Many of them rape victims were called sinners. 
you know, I mean, and their and their babies were taken was, and like, given to the Magdalene laundries. Yeah, Magdalene laundries, yeah, yeah. Song for a raggy boy and all that stuff. Yes, yes, raggy boy comes to how, mind. How can he stand there and say that? Yeah, it's yeah. Just ah. Uh, you know, there are many people. I mean, I'm not a big mask or I go a few times a year. Um, I'm, I'm, my, my mother would prefer I went to laugh a lot more, but I don't. Um, but at the same time, if if I thought that I went to a church and heard that kind of nonsense coming I'd, down, I'd, from, I'd walk out. I a lot of people did actually. And quite right too. Yeah. Quite right. And whoever actually recorded it, fair play to them for getting it out there in the open. I think it was broadcast online. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, because that's one thing we got out of COVID is a lot of people, a lot of churches have a, an online broadcast of yeah. their mass, and I think it was a guy called Shane recorded it and put it out in his Twitter. I mean, so, the, that, the gentleman you were talking to was that Jason? Jason was very, very upset. Yeah, he's very, very upset. Hard to blame and him. So an awful lot of in the you know LGBT movement should be. Yes, I mean that is just disgraceful. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I really think the guy should lose his job, and without a pension. Yeah. I'm not too sure what kind of a pension a priest gets, or I don't even know of Father Sheehy's employment status, because he was he was standing in for the parish priest Jesus, of Listowel. It'd be the last time it ever happens. If the bishop has got any gumption, keep him off and keep him out of the pulpit. Yeah, well, I think I think Bishop Bishop Brown has attempted to do that um, and and told him, he can't be doing that at Mass at very, very least. Today, thank you for joining that conversation. Um, we will continue it throughout the course of the programme. If you have any particular thoughts on what Bishop Brown said or what Father Sheehy said. Actually, let's let's just play that back, what Father Sheehy has said in defence of himself. And I have no problem letting you hear this more than once because it'll spice up to the conversation. So yesterday, uh, Jerry O'Sullivan uh, presents the Kerry Today program on Radio Kerry and he also does quite an amount of work with the Radio Kerry newsroom and yesterday Jerry caught up with Father Sheehy uh, and uh, put it to him the response to to his sermon at the weekend Bishop Brown said today that he was going to take me off all masses you know and I said okay fine but I told him I, said, I could care less really I know myself that what I said cannot be disproven by any honest-to-God Catholic, Christian, or Catholic teaching, and that's the bottom line. So you don't accept the verdict or the word or the instruction of your bishop? I don't. I really don't, because I think that what he's doing basically is that he's actually sacrificing the truth, or he's muzzling the truth in order to appease people. That's Father Sheehy speaking to Jerry O'Sullivan on Radio Kerry. We did ask... Uh, Father Sheehy and the Diocese of Kerry if they'd be willing to take a call on the programme this morning mm. not looking good but that's what he said on Radio Kerry PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line Silver Winner Silver Winner Best News Story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022 Cork's 96FM So Yvonne, you're on the Cross River Ferry take up the story Morning <laughs> Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, so I was going to the Port of Cork public consultation that was on in the uh, Titanic Bar and Grill last Friday. And uh, I am a working mom, so I'm always very busy running like the clappers. And I got onto the, f- I took the ferry from, I think it's Passage West, That's right, it? Yeah. that it goes across the cove. And I was sitting there thinking, oh yeah, now I'll pay and I'll go over to the public consultation. I took out my wallet 
and it was completely empty. I had no money in it at all and I didn't even have a debit card in it. And I sat there and I thought, oh Christ, he's going to come along now. The ticket man is going to come along and, um, you know, give me abuse at the very least and give me an invoice um, at, at the best. And so the guy came along and he tapped on the window and he said, oh, seven quid, you, is it return or single? And I just showed him my wallet. I said, I'm in real trouble here. I've got no money. Um, I've got absolutely nothing to pay with. And I thought, oh, here it comes. And then he just, he, he put his head down and he went, I've got 30 quid if you're really stuck to get, like, where are you going? I can give you a loan of 30 quid if you need money. Oh. And I just couldn't believe it. I was just, I was gobsmacked. It was such a lovely reaction and it was yeah. his first reaction. Nothing else mattered. Yeah. It was just, are you okay? Let's get you to where you're going. Because I, so, I know that up to recently, uh, it, may, it may have changed, so I don't know for certain, but the last time I took the ferry, which was in September, early September, they don't take cards. Um, but but but, yeah. but at the same time, um, you had nothing. I literally, because I had taken my card and the cash out the night before I had gone for a walk and I had taken everything out of my wallet. And um, so I had nothing to pay. Like I could have zapped my, my phone, I suppose, if they had had a machine, but they don't have machines on the on the ferry. But it was just, he was such a lovely fella. Yeah. Um, and he was just so, honestly, he didn't care about the fact that I didn't have money for the fare. He just wanted to get me safely to where I was going. And I, I like, I have two girls who are growing up and it's just lovely to know that there are people in the world that if they get stuck, yeah. you know, there's a bit of caring and sharing out there in the world. Sure. So it was it just put a smile on my face. Yeah. So I just popped it up on LinkedIn just to say to Doyle Shipping Group that yeah. they really do have fabulous staff. Well, you know and what, Hopper, uh, Hopper is the guy. So Hopper. He, Hopper is the man <laughs> on the ferry. He's just such a nice fella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and was... for, for what it's worth, I went over to the bank then. I went to my meeting and I went to... Uh, the bank and got some cash out and I went back and I did pay my fare. <laughs> Good on you. No, no, that was a lovely thing. I mean, well, he was, <laughs> I yeah. guess, the cynic in me, well, he could hardly throw you off the boat at that stage. Like, but, 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 well, yeah, there but, was that. <laughs> there was that. But, like, you know, if you go through the toll bridge on the way to Dublin and if you don't have Oh, cash you'll know about it, that. Like, I mean, you really know about it and, you know, they really don't care that you might be stuck. And all you do is get an invoice or, you know, they take your name and address. But he just didn't. That that was secondary. The first thing was, was I OK? Yeah. which And was, I just thought it was so nice. Which was lovely. It was so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're really lucky to have him on the ferry. And he certainly. And I must say all of the reactions on LinkedIn. So I posted it up on LinkedIn and the amount of reactions that came back from people that I don't know. Yeah. But would take the ferry and they say, oh yeah, Hopper is just such a good guy. He's such a gent. He's always looking out for people. Um, you know, he's a real asset to the ferry. And isn't it lovely, Yvonne, in a world where we have, to an extent, turned so angry that there yeah. are, and, and, and people, there's, there's people out there would lift you for a fiver, that there are well, lovely people like yeah. Hopper there. Yeah. And like, you know, only in Cork, it's a, it, it's a pretty good place to live, I must say. <laughs> Listen, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Yvonne Cronin. Um, yeah, Hopper on the ferry is a bit of a legend by all accounts. So she's going over. She has no money in the wallet. She has no card in the wallet. She took the stuff out of the wallet the previous night going for a walk. And I think, what are you going to do? And they don't, as I said, up to the last time I looked, they don't take cards or they don't use your phone thing on the ferry just yet. But Hopper saved the day. And not only did he let her go away off for free, he offered her cash out of his own pocket.
That's a gent. That's a, th- a gent. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And if you've got any random acts of kindness, we'd love to hear them uh, from day to day or from time to time because it's nice to know that there is still kindness in the world. Anne McShane, you organised a protest at the weekend, or one of the organisers. We we hear a lot of protesters and protests, and sometimes people are cast as being a, a little bit negative. But you had a protest over the weekend, and you decided to tie Halloween into it. It was down in Cove. Morning, Anne. Morning. I hope you can hear me okay, because the clear wind a, is howling around the house there. <laughs> clear as a bell, girl. Clear as a bell. Is it windy as a bad in Cove, yeah? Oh, yeah, it's very bad. Okay, so on Saturday, we had an event to mark Halloween and to basically to raise the issue again of the cost of living crisis and also to raise some items of assistance to people for mutual aid here in Cove. Sure. So mutual aid like being, you know, helping people out in the community, supporting each other, and like looking out for people who are going to be finding it hard coming into the winter now. So we dressed up and we had um, the slum landlord and we had the oil baron. We had the greedy capitalist friend of the Fianna Fáil government. So it was political, but it was also, you know, dressing up. It was Halloween. Right. So there were your, there were your horror costumes, the, the greedy banker, the landlord. Exactly, because yeah. precisely because that's the situation, isn't it? Yeah. Like, look at ESB with its massive profits, doubling the cost of its um, bills. You know, the fact that the gas is going up and up and up and there's no help for that. So we're saying, like, this is what you... Anyway, we were just putting them forward as Halloween uh, monsters, really, I suppose you can say. The things that people should really be scared about. Yeah, yeah. You know, having a bit of fun about it kind of delivers your point in in, in a very more in a more subtle way. Anne, did you think? Well, it does definitely. And also, I think that what we did was, with in terms of the mutual aid, was that we we asked for donations of hot water bottles and torches and sure. um, batteries, which kind of seemed like you know such. I don't know, basic items. Well, there you go, they're the simple things. They're the simple things that you'd forget. You might give someone a load of food or you might give someone clothes or you might give someone a room for the night when actually uh, uh, batteries for a torch or a radio or something, Yeah, you might forget all about it. I would think that they were items that nobody really thought about years ago. You know that, like, why would you need a torch? The electricity is not going to go out. Why would you need a hot water bottle? Because you have an electric blanket or you have heated house. But obviously this winter it's different. And what we're kind of trying to bring attention to is this, there's a new normal being put about like that. Basically, everybody's going to be poor, except it. Um, You know, cut your cloth accordingly. Which if, uh, I always have a thing, a thing about yeah. that. Cut your yeah. cloth accordingly. If you have a very small piece of cloth, you can't cut it very much more. And did the kids get it? The 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 message behind what they were doing. Well, I I, I think that kids always just like scary <laughs> costumes yeah. and um, and people being dressed up. So yeah, but like kids obviously also are a little bit ner- nervous because they know what that things aren't so great this, so, this winter, especially kids who are already experiencing it, yeah. you know, in their homes. 
like the, the thing you know that I mentioned a minute ago about the hot water bottle and the torches, like there, there used to be um, an idea that all children had enough to eat, and now we have this eat or heat dilemma for parents. Yeah. So a lot of children are actually aware of that. Children know, you know, if they're hungry or they know the stress of their parents trying to cope. Yeah, and, and we, and we, we, you know, sometimes yeah. I think, Anne, we, we, we might forget what they might pick up in school from their little friends as well. So you, you had a good laugh with the kids, but the message was there for the adults, you know? Yeah, and obviously there's a demonstration this coming, uh, the 12th of November in Cork, and we were raising awareness about that. Okay. And we and the donations we received, which we received very many donations, including from uh, Hardware House and Co., um, we have we have given them to organisations in Cove to help people. So we want to build we want to build support among the community for each other, and as well we want to protest against the fact that people's living standards have been driven down. So, and you, and you know, the kid, they, like I said to you, the kids, they might be aware of things. We wouldn't realise just how aware they are sometimes. And maybe maybe when they see the adults around them thinking about things, you know, maybe it makes them a little bit more happy and less anxious, I guess, in this strange world in which we now live. And thank you. Uh, 0818969696 yet that event is on and co are in Cork on the 12th of November have no doubt we'll talk more about it as we head there The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM The Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary with CorkSimon.ie because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Jimmy says he knows Hopper, knows him personally, a great guy, even off the ferry. Your thoughts would be with someone like Hopper and his mates this morning, wouldn't you? Doubt in that dirty, filthy weather this morning. Lovely story from uh, from the ferry there before before the news when we had we were talking to Yvonne. She's on the ferry without a button in her wallet. Not so much as a bean, had she. And I don't think they take cards as yet, which made no difference because she didn't even have a card with her. You know the way you grab the bag and you grab the jacket and you grab what you have going out the door and then you realise on the ferry, oh my God. He really leans in the window of the car and he goes, listen, I have 30 quid in my pocket. If you're stuck, I can lend it to you. I mean, what a gent. Good man, Hopper. 0818 96 96 96, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. So we love your acts of kindness. And I honestly believe this. I was just chatting with the Queen Bee at the weekend. Uh, you know, did COVID actually teach us anything over the last uh, two and a half years or so that we had to endure it? And it's funny, we both came up with the same two things. Well, one was we learned, both of us, to take huge joy from small things. 
And I learned something else as well. I learned that there's an awful lot more kindness out there. Ordinary, everyday kindness than, than we might think. Gillian, you sent us this. What what happened to you? Morning. Hi, hi. Um, it was a few years ago now, before COVID. Right. But um, we were in Dungarvan on Christmas evening and coming driving back to Middleton and um, the car completely cut out. Um, do you know Borges filling station? I do indeed. Uh, yeah. Now, was before that, was um, reopened, so it was pitch black. And um, my mum isn't living too far from there, but um, rang, because I was in dad's uh, at home, and they were after having a drink, so they couldn't drive us. So rang my friend, Nilsson, um Claire Romani, she's amazing, and to know, could she come and get us? Because um, she's very, very good like that. Yeah. So she said, no bother, on the way. But while we were waiting with the hazards on, um, this guy drove past us and then he stopped and he said, I'm just dropping my sister-in-law home now after Christmas dinner and I'll come back and get you. Wow. So he went, he obviously went, dropped her, went back home and came back with a fan, um, I say about half an hour later. And then he told us all the way back to Middleton. And then my friend had come at this stage, so she drove behind us then with her hazards on just to warn oncoming traffic. But, um, he he dropped his right to the front door and I tried to pay him. And he said, no, he said, um, it happened to me a few years ago and I just asked you to pay forward. So That's I'd never true. forgotten it. Like, and I forgot to ask his name at the time. Yeah. But um, he must have been around the killing area anyway. And I didn't know his face, no, but um, I never forgot his um, kindness. Yeah. No, no, that's an incredibly kind thing to do over Christmas night. And, you know, it's it's as natural in the world. You'd ring someone and say, listen, I'd love to, but I've had a drink. Like, that's as, that's as normal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, and I mean, they'd never drink at home. You know, it's only one day of the year they drink at home, and that's Christmas Day. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. That was that, that was such such a lovely, lovely thing. Gillian, thanks for that. Um, and it'll be a memory that will stay with you someone comes out in the depth of night we're going to come back to um, Father Sheehan just briefly um, I know Councillor Cullum Kelleher rang us in about um, about Father Sheehan and then you've got something of a small emergency so you need to say call now Cullum cheers Good, good, good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? That's what happens with a twelve or fourteen week old. They'll, exactly, they'll sorry, be sick I, on I, you or I, something. I, I've messed up your radio schedule now for the morning. You're all right. You were listening just just to play briefly again the the, the oh. clip, the, the the clip of 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 Father Sheehan. Here we go. I was talking to a, a woman there a few weeks ago. Her seventeen year old daughter, who was out with her friends in Tralee, came home, and she handed her mother a condom. The mother said, where did you get that? She said, an HSC van was handing these things out uh, in in Tralee. And she said, my gracious me, that is promoting promiscuity. That is horrible, horrible. What is so sad today is you rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. It's rampant. And we see it, for example, in the legislation of our governments. We see it in the promotion of abortion. We see it, for example, in the, in the example of this lunatic approach of transgenderism. We see it, for example, in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is sinful. That is mortal sin. And people don't seem to realize it. But it's a fact. It's a reality. There's a lot in there, Colm. 
Oh, my God, it's like watching an episode of Angela's Ashes, isn't it? Um, No, listen, I I, I did text him this morning, PJ, and it's something that, you know, I I was completely gobsmacked. I know the Bishop of Kerry has reprimanded uh, the uh, priests in question, but um, he he references at the start there that uh, a lady he was speaking to, that the 17-year-old girl brought home a condom uh, from a HSE van. That was more than likely the dash bus. Uh, that's something I launched last year as Lord Mayor and it's a sexual health bus that the HSC are running um, and it, it provides advice for people um, who have suffered uh, you know um, you know, addiction and stuff like that but also promotes safe sexual health um, hence why they're handing out uh, condoms and contraceptives um, he also mentioned the legislation of the government uh, I'm very proud of the legislation of our government in relation to the referendum on marriage equality that gives a man and a man the right to marry and a woman a woman the right to marry um, we've come a very long way as a society uh, compares of the Holy Catholic Ireland of the 1960s and we can't go back to it I, listening to that this morning coming in it reminded me of the priest in the pulpit in the film The Field um, it's just so backward thinking and I know that the bishop has reprimanded him but you know I, I don't think that priest ever give a sermon again personally yeah. people, people, are, people are very angry about this because it, it's, it's distressing you know and, and if you're you could be doing fine and then you hear something like this and it comes on top of you and it brings back some bad memories of prejudice or way you were badly treated like he and in this world where it went online it's around the world before he's off the altar the damage the damage these words have done not just to people but I think it would be fair damage to his own church Colm and you know, you know the, the trouble the Catholic Church has had down through the years and you know all the the scandals that go with it and you know the church is repenting for that now and moving forward and you know I consider myself you know I'm not a, a holy Joe but I do go to Mass and I, I'm, I'm a practicing Roman Catholic but I won't let that affect my faith and the church has fallen down and rightly so they should be reprimanded on it um, the former Taoiseach and the Kenny um, you know different parties myself but even reprimanded the Vatican in the Dáil so you know it has to be pointed out the faith of our past yeah. can't be repeated and it's such a kind of a narrow-minded yeah. view where it was polarising from the pulpit to do it from a position of authority yeah. there's impressionable young people at the, in that church and they could think that you know Well, well, well Jason, Jason called me here this morning Colm he, he was my first caller on the opinion line mm-hmm. today and Jason is him, yeah. yes and he's widowed um, he's yeah. uh, in his 40s and he's widowed and Jason was very, very deeply upset off air, Fergal was telling me. Do you know, are they saying, or did that man just say, my my beautiful dead husband is going to hell? Like, I, I hope Jason's beautiful husband is in heaven smiling down at him, you know. Um, and, you know, the, 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 you're, you've hit the nail in the head, PJ, the distress that has caused for so many people across this country this morning that were waking up listening to a priest who, in my opinion, belongs in the 1840s. You know, um, it's 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 just unacceptable in this day and age. We should be promoting yes. equality and fairness for all. We're a rainbow city in Cork City. Um, you know, we're a welcoming city. You saw what happened last year with those two gentlemen who were, you know, mutilated, um, and it was a, 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 country, a, a, yeah. a, a yeah, a homophobic crime. Um, and I was delighted to see the gay community and the LGBTQ plus community come out in force and show its support in Cork. Um, in Fitzgerald or in Bishop Lucy Park last That's year. That's right, I remember, that. That. I remember that. But we can never go backwards as a society. When you think back to the likes of David Norris with, uh, with uh, um, taking the state to the European Court of Human Rights in relation to our, our, our laws, 
we've come so, so far and it cannot be derailed by the words of, you know, an ignorant priest in Kerry, you yeah. know. And I don't like I don't like calling people names. No, no, but uh, you know, if you're gonna use certain words on a public in a public place, you've got to be able to take the flack that comes after it. And and yeah, that that's part that's part of the flack. Things have been called words like that. Call him thank you. And with regard to you know, Jason's um, husband, who is gone before him, and Jason is was so ups, deeply upset off the air when we were done with our conversation. Deeply upset, talking to Fergal, and like, is is my husband in hell? This is what that priest is saying. My husband is in hell. That's what he, you know. No, we'd all like to think that good good things would happen to good people in this afterlife. Those of you who, of us who believe in an afterlife, you, you, you'd like to think that good hap- good things happen to good people there. No. Yeah, yeah. We know, I suppose. We know that things, good things happen to good people. They do. You know, good things happen to good people, and that Jason's husband will be, as Colum said, smiling down on him and happy and waiting for him to arrive someday to join him again in the afterlife do you know because we know Jason he was on the show a few weeks ago about a, a social welfare query and he was so so upset Fergus was just telling me there on one of the breaks so so terribly upset and I think he encapsulates just one just one of hundreds of people that will be terribly terribly upset by what Father Sheehy said in Kerry at the weekend and what he subsequently doubled down on on Radio Kerry uh, yesterday when he I'll, I'll play that clip again a little bit later the conversation we're continuing throughout the morning on the opinion and I get to some of your comments that have come in later um, some people are arguing well look you know this is the teachings of the church although the Bishop of Kerry Bishop Ray Brown issued a very strong statement yesterday. And in that, he said, I'm aware of the deep upset and hurt caused by the contents of the homilies. I apologize to all who were offended. The views expressed do not represent the Christian position. The homily at a regular weekend mass is not appropriate for such issues to be spoken of in such terms. I regret this has occurred while a parish pilgrimage to the Holy Land is taking place. The parish priest is on that pilgrimage. The gospel of our Lord is a gospel of love and proclaims the dignity of every human person. It calls on us all to have total respect for one another. Which is, that's the word of scripture. It calls on us all to have total respect for one another. So, thinking again about Jason, and I know Jason is a, an avid daily listener to the program. Jason, your husband is happy where he is and waiting for you to join him one day and smiling down on you and at your back whenever you need him. Uh, don't mind what that priest said or anybody else. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Just coming to some of your correspondence on the words of uh, Father Sean Sheehy. They were his own words, says Mary, but what has he actually said 
that we don't already know the church thinks. He never said, let's not be compassionate to sinners. We have to be tolerant of other people's opinions. I'd say to that priest, we're a Christian church. and In the New Testament, there's a code laid down for people who preach and are religious leaders. And these stories apply specifically to priests and rabbis. The stoning of Mary Magdalene. The moral of that story was, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. The second was to the disciple Peter, a leader in the new church, when he asked, how often should I forgive? Seven times? And the answer was, 77 times seven, because no man can judge another. I know this man has a job to do, but he's doing it wrong. John O'Donovan says, I think he was wrong. It was a blistering attack on gay people. I hope the first caller, that's Jason, will reconsider going to Mass because the church needs people to go to keep it alive. Yeah, I really do hope, because Jason is a man who loves his church and is quite religious and, and was saying he'd never go to Mass again. Hi PJ, hope you're well. Strange the bishop would issue a statement condemning what the priest said. Is that not Catholic doctrine? Is the bishop saying he disagreed with it then? On the abortion issue, I do agree it was murder of the innocent and it made so made me so sad and angry when legislation was brought in to see women dancing and playing the guitar. They don't speak for me as a woman. And that's from Shiona. Well, what the bishop said, Shiona, Bishop Ray Brown, uh, to read his statement as issued, the views expressed do not represent the Christian position. Uh, and the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, he said, is a gospel of love and proclaims the dignity of every human person. Councillor John Mann, I was thinking I was out there jazzing and enjoying the crack. Now I'm a mortal sinner, says Councillor John Maher. A fair play to the HSE. Keep up the great work. Hashtag equality. Hashtag love is love. Uh, I think we found the replacement for Father Ted. Fire up the cameras and roll the credits. I don't know, I always thought Father Ted was gently satirical rather than that. With the greatest respect in my heart, maybe gays should start their own religion to suit themselves. Maybe other people might join. It's happened before. Thank you, caller. I don't agree with that at all, but that's what he was taught. It's He was put in the church and he's going to do what he was told to do. A man who's been a priest that long isn't going to consider any instruction to tone it down the same way we do. After we do a lot of a job, we have our own way of doing it. Also, maybe in his own head, he had toned it down. I love gay people. I think the HSE should give out condoms, but I do have sympathy for that man too. Sorry, it can't come on the air. One last one for now. I'll come back to it. Uh, continue the conversation. Hi, PJ, just a quick question. Is Father Sheehy not correct according to the teachings of the church? Is the bishop now saying these teachings are wrong? Is the church reforming their teachings. Again, Elaine, I can only quote, and we did ask the Diocese of Kerry to comment today, but uh, they're not available to us. Not so far. Um, the bishop said, the views expressed do not represent the Christian position. That's very clear, according to the Bishop of Kerry. 0818 96 96 96. We shall return to it, but... A few years ago, I spoke to Graham McCormick and uh, we talked about what he'd been through and how he was on the wagon after getting to the very, very bottom. And we talked about where he'd found himself when he was at 
rock bottom. Six years on, Graham is an entirely different man. Uh, I spoke to you before about it, Graham. Um, you, how are you? How are you? I'm six years on, clean and sober. Congratulations, first of all. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And thank you very much for that. Um, I suppose to start off, you know, by answering that question, how am I? I'm doing really well. Um, I think it's important just to, to let everyone know that just because someone's in recovery doesn't mean that life is all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Life is still life. Yes. Um, but my ability to now respond to life as opposed to react to it um, is keeping me very well, you know. You told me previously how, how bad it got. And on, uh, unless you choose to remind us again, I don't need you to do so. But talk to me about day one, day two, day three. Is it, is it, is it always one day at a time, Graham? Not always, no. And I think that, you know, when, when I was actively using or even just coming to the point of my turnaround, um, I didn't even know the phrase a day at a time. You know, um, I was so far ahead in my own head and uh, mentally. I was just like, I was just, you know, in the future, just thinking of like how things could be and, you know, where I wanted them to be. And then obviously, you know, I, I lacked kind of confidence and stuff in my own abilities to turn things around. So it wasn't always a great picture or image that was in my own mind, but I knew something had to be better than what I was experiencing right now, you know, and I brought myself back to that moment, to the present moment, and I had to remind myself that it's fine going to the future in your own head, but any action worthwhile has to be taken right now in the present moment. So I, the best course of action was to take everything a day at a time. And, you know, I had to even break it down sometimes even to a smaller uh, way of thinking, you know, with you know, if I was really emotionally dysregulated or whatever, I think day at a time has gone out the window at that point. It's now an hour at a time. Or take everything a moment at a time if I have to, you know. You're not the first person to say that to me. Um, I remember asking a man who hadn't had a drink, Graham, in, in many years, and this is a man who hadn't had a drink in over 25 years. I said to him, when did you last have your drink? Your la- a drink, and he was able to tell me, say, 25 years, three months. I said, when did you last want one? He said, yesterday. I said, do you still struggle, Graham, with the urges? Yes, I do. Um, yes and no. So, like, it, it, the urges do still come up, you know. Um, anytime that I feel an urge coming up, I now have massive awareness, self-awareness, that I'll stop for a minute and I'll go, I'll ask myself a question, I'll go, what am I not accepting right now? Or what am I trying to run away from? Yes. And that puts a pause in there. And all I need is just a little pause between the urge and making the choice or taking the action to... You know, to go drinking or, you know, only, I'd say it was a couple of months, maybe during the summer there, kind of, I think it was earlier on in the year, at least, anyway. Um, I just, I got overwhelmed, basically, and, you know, I wanted to just run away from it all and go up the country to rent a hotel for a couple of days and just buy buy myself, you know, and just kind of destroy myself or whatever, like, but, you know, I I didn't. Thankfully, I didn't. Well done. Yeah, no, and, like, there is moments, you know, but I always try my absolute best to just pause for a minute, you know, because it's such an emotional pull and urge. Um, and I just put a pause in there between, you know, the urge and actually taking the action on that. And I ask myself that question, you know, what am I not accepting right now? What am I trying to run away from? 
And another question that can come along at times as well is, in that situation, what's in my control? And how can I take action on that? Yeah. I remember when you talked about, you know, your, your start on this journey to sobriety, you had a choice to make. You got the opportunity to make that choice. And I think you were very grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, there was there was multiple things that, that were that were going on. To be honest with you, like I always knew that, that there was something powerful inside me, and I'm not, you know, this isn't my ego speaking, and um, that I'm more powerful than, than anyone else. It's just that I was slightly in touch in it with that aspect of myself when I when I was younger. You know, when I was going through things, I always kind of was was able to kind of dig deep and go, all right, look, we can kind of move forward some bit anyway, at least. And, you know, when I was turning everything around, I just got more in touch with that, you know, through meditation, through mindfulness, through, you know, I suppose getting getting to the deeper aspect of myself as best I could. And there was plenty of opportunities that, that came my way. And, you know, and that's like such as, you know, like working with a great psychiatrist, you know, uh, family and friends who had never given up on me were there. There was doors opening for me that were always closed in my face before, you know. And people were there and very supportive, and I, I, I'll always be very grateful for everyone who was. And you know, I'm, very, I'm also very grateful for those who turned away from me, um, just basically because they they show me that look, they showed their true colours basically. And, and I'm dig okay into with that. that a little bit. Someone turned away from you because of the way you were. That was their choice. You're grateful to them for that. Dig into that a little for me for a second. Yeah. So like. I think not everyone who was there during your struggle deserves to be there during your success. And I think that not everyone who's there during your struggle is able to carry on all the way through to your to your success because at the end of the day, we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey home, as I like to call it, you know, yes. such is life. And not everyone is meant to be there from start to finish. And, you know, when people started to show their true colours and and understandably had enough of my actions, behaviours and everything that I was was doing. I was really upset by that. I was like, oh, here's another person who's leaving me or here's another person who's letting me go. And it used to really upset me. And I just started to deal with it a lot better as I moved along. And I used to just tell myself that, look, this person isn't meant to be, you know, in the next chapter of my life and that's okay. You know, and as I said, look, there's no, there's no hatred. There's no nothing like that. I just... I've accepted that not everyone is supposed to be there from start to finish, it's, and that's it's, okay. It's, it's a very interesting line in the conversation because what I think you're saying, Graham, is that when you get to the great healthy position that you're in now, you realised along the way, and stop me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but you realised along the way that in order to get to where you are now, certain people had to be left behind. If they made their own choice, well and good. If not, you had to you had to make that choice. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, you would be right in saying that. And you know, there there, there is I, I know of at least two people I've heard of in the last kind of couple of years who are in active addiction right now, and they are very judgmental of what I had been doing. They think I'm full of ego. They think I'm this, that, and the other. And you know, and I don't hold ego anymore. I don't hold, you know, hatred in my heart or anything like that. I completely understand that that's where they're at on their journey because I was like them before. You know? And they're not part of my life and that's just the way it's meant to be at this moment and I honestly wish them the best and if they ever need 
a, a chat or a conversation or guidance or anything at all, I would 100% be there for them. That's fantastic. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, you have a business and it is getting more successful by the day. Tell me more. Yeah, um, so. I obviously was a life coach and a public speaker. I've let go of the coaching aspect. I still do talks here and there with regards to addiction and mental health in schools and stuff like that. But one one business actually really caught my eye, grabbed my interest a couple of years back, and it was a digital marketing agency. So all along with my life coaching, I was doing... I was writing up posts and everything else, you know, about, about aspects of my life that I had overcome, and, and it was obviously you know, getting bigger and bigger. And I realized that what I was actually doing was a thing called content marketing. And I didn't even know that was a thing while I was doing it. And I just started to under, understand it a bit more. I dove deeper, um, got done a course, and I've started a business. And within the space of the last two months, I've now gotten to a point already where I'm, I'm looking to hire someone for an appointment setting and closing uh, for a certain aspect of my business. So, that's it's, fantastic. Yeah, it's, um, I'm delighted. And honestly, PJ, I think that, you know, being self-employed or, or having a vision and a goal for my business um, was huge for me in my recovery as well because it kept my mind so focused. I had such a vision that I wanted to work towards, and I still do, and I and I know deep down that I will get there someday. Um, but it was that vision was so enticing for me that... It was a lot more enticing than, you know, going out on the weekend and, you know, drinking too much, uh, fighting, waking up covered in either my blood or, blood or someone else's blood, you know, and, and kind of that shame and guilt. Uh, oh, I've done it again. The vision I hold now is a lot more enticing than any of that, you know? I know. But, yeah. Graham, something that can happen to a person like yourself who has had... Great success in in recovery and continues to have it slowly but surely. And like you said, sometimes it's a few hours at a time. It can happen in life that someone will throw your past at you. How do you respond if someone does that? I would respond. It has happened um, kind of in indirect ways over the years, you know. And I have to talk to myself. I have to check with myself before that person anyway at least. You know what I mean? I I've heard a couple of things or whatever and I have to separate my myself. I have to split myself into two and realise that there is a past Graham and a present Graham. Mm. And they are two completely different people. And 
the past Graham was coming from a place of, of hurt, uh, a place of not knowing what his place or what was going on in this world. And he thought everyone was against him. And he just had it out for himself and the world in general. That person was very, very hurt. And no matter who you are, as long as you're emotionally dysregulated, they always call it, as long as you're coming from a hot place, you're not thinking straight, If you're, even if you're thinking at all. You're coming from a place of full emotion. And that place is coming from hurt. So no one in their right mind is going to do anything out of the ordinary. It just does not make sense. Mm. You know, so I just have to split myself into two and realize that they're judging me on who I was, not who I am right now. And if they weren't coming from, you know, the perspective of judgment with blinkers on, oh, Graham, done X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I did do X, Y, and Z, but that was probably 10 years ago. Mm. Um, But if you look at me now and have a conversation with me now and, you know, you'd realize and come to the conclusion that I'm absolutely not the same person. Mm Mm-hmm. In any way, shape, or form, and I, you know, I, I'm not perfect. No one is, um, but the transformation that I've had is, is is massive, you know. And I'm just I'm solely speaking about myself here, you know, yeah. and everything that I've that I've done. And only the other day I was I did turn six years clean and sober, and well I thanks to Lynn PJ. I I always sit down. I try my best to have at least ten or fifteen minutes to myself. What I'll do is I'll sit down in a, a meditation position. Um, and I'll just I'll just reflect uh, mentally. I'll go back to my past and I'll remember the pain, the hurt that I caused myself and others. Very gently, I wouldn't bring in any traumas or anything like that, but I'll remember the crazy times, I call them. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll remember them and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll reflect back to where I am right now and it's just polar opposites. And I always express massive gratitude. Yeah. You know, let me let me just again poke that one a little bit more. So you, you your, your your meditation or what, your time to yourself every day. Can I ask why you feel it necessary to go back and remember, shall we say, the old Graham all the time? Why do you feel that is necessary, or, um, or does does or does it just come up when you calm down or when you go alone, go to be alone? No, I, I understand that polarity breeds emotion and and understanding. So what I mean by that is you can only ever enjoy peace once you've experienced chaos. I see. You know, and I that's what I suppose expands and thrives that feeling of gratitude when I'm sit down in sitting down in that meditation position and reflecting back. And you know, I, I I'm bringing up polar opposites in my mind you know, where I was to where I am, and it always brings up a huge feeling of, of gratitude, yes. you know, that I've gotten past that chapter of my life, you know, and, yeah, polarity always breeds emotion and understanding. Relationships, too. I remember talking to a fella a few years ago, and he'd just come out of Chakwira, that wonderful place up there in the Mardike, and he was saying to me the most precious thing was actually, yes, his sobriety, of course, but the most precious thing was slowly, slowly, slowly winning back the trust of those he loved. Has yeah. that happened for you? It has. It has to uh, a major extent, um, but not fully, though. I still have, um, unfortunately, a couple of people around me who are six years down the line still have questions, you know, like, were, were you drinking last night? And, you know, like, there's still a lack of trust there. Yes. Um, but I, you know, for, for let's say maybe two, three years into my recovery, it used to really frustrate me. Yeah. 
I would be like, why are you still asking me on two, three years down the road? Like, will you just believe me and trust me? But I also had to start to understand that I caused traumas for the people that were around me. And traumas don't go away in, in the space of 24 hours. And I think that lack of trust will be there for the rest of that person's days or mine, at least. And I just have to be okay with that, you know, and... It's I've done everything that I can on my end. Um, I've done not everything, but I've done a lot um, to fix everything that was coming from me. I can't fix someone else. I can only show them that you know there was me in the past, and here's me now. And what you choose to do from that is up to you. Mm. You give them the choice. Absolutely, I. I as, as much as we might want to or, or think that we can, we can't change or fix anyone else. That's up. That's up to themselves, you know. And I've ob- obviously, you know, I've, I've, I've apologized and you know, I've, I've cleared my conscience. I, I, I've done everything I can to um, reassure that person and put them at ease. But unfortunately, it's. it's let, let, let me let me personalize that a, a small little bit, Graham. I, I was approached about two, maybe two and a half years ago by by somebody that I knew we were never close but we, we we knew each other reasonably well who came out of rehab and wanted to meet me and I said great to see you and all that and they began the conversation over a coffee by, by apologising and I said hold on stop a second but you never did me any wrong why are you apologising it's part of the process was what I had to try to understand. It, it is. It is part of the process. I remember when I was in rehab at 16 in Kilkenny and my family were brought up and, you know, we had to kind of go through a kind of a, a group family meeting and stuff and we all had to kind of, we had the choice, of course, but we were encouraged to apologise to our families and for the pain and hurt that we had again, understandably caused them, which which was true. But I was in denial at that point, and I said, no, 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 I'm not. No, it's their fault. They they don't care about me and my parents. You know, they don't love me. They don't ex- fill in the blanks, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's only when I turned 28, when I actually uh, started my journey in recovery, that I remembered when I was young and 16 and, and you know, full of ego and uh, I'm the bio and you're the problem, I'm that. And... I let down my guard and I just was open to to actually doing that and I did. I started to text uh, a number of people that I had either physically, mentally or emotionally hurt um, while I was in addiction. And the whole point of this, um, I suppose, from a recovery perspective is, you know, to kind of clear your conscience. A lot of addicts would be very hard on themselves. They would have, you know, they would beat themselves up mentally enough with, with their actions and behaviours. Mm. And that's only an unconscious way to drive themselves into more addiction uh, by causing more pain and hurt for themselves. And here's another excuse to escape, you know. Um, and would have also a massive uh, bouts of low, low self-esteem or low confidence in themselves and their abilities in life. So as long as you can forgive yourself um, and follow through with acts of, of, of kindness and everything else, it changes your perspective of oneself. I'm not a scumbag anymore. That's what I used to call myself over and over. I don't I, think you ever were, Graham. 
Um, no. You were sick. Like, you had yeah, an illness. Uh, yeah, a scumbag is a very judgmental statement. I would, like, if you were to break it down and dissect it, I was just someone who was coming from a place of hurt and I didn't know any better at that point. I do know, but back then I did not. Well, I am so thrilled to be talking to you today and to find you in such a good place. Long may you stay in that place. Uh, you're a smashing fella. You really are a smashing fella. And and you, the gratitude in your voice for what you've for what you've managed to do. I think that's where we should leave it. You're in a great place. Thanks a million, PJ. I, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the airtime as well. And for everyone at 96 FM, for constantly getting people on to chatter in, in the areas of mental health and addiction, you're doing a massive service as well to anyone who suffers. So I appreciate that too. Really appreciate it. And lastly, if I could, if, if there is anybody uh, desperately worried about a loved one or, and you know yourself, Graham, you've been that person waking up now, this morning, um knowing that last night is a bit of a blur and that there was trouble again and they don't want another night like last night but that bottle in the corner looks like a very good place to start today anything to say to that person right now if they're listening or if they hear this on podcast or repeat yeah Um, I suppose it kind of this goes for family members and someone who's in active addiction Um, I'll try and make it as brief as possible but I would always, always, always say, just pause. You don't have to do anything right now. You don't have to reach out for help. You don't have to reach for the bottle. Just pause and take everything a day at a time and make sure you check in with yourself and look after yourself. But what I mean by that is family members and people in addiction, they seem to forget the concept of self. You know, my family forgot themselves. They were always thinking about me. I forgot myself. I was always thinking about the pain I put my family through. Does that make sense? It does. It sure does. Pull your awareness back and check in with yourself and leave it there for a while because make it's what I'm really trying to say is make yourself a priority in that. Pause for a minute. Make yourself a priority. Don't take any action and take everything a day at a time. Mm. Do you know what I think you should do, mate? I'm going to put a thought in your head to finish today. You should write a book. About a quarter way through. Ah, why did I know that? <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to lie, PJ. That's probably for the last two years, and and I'm not going to rush it. And I'm not going to do anything because I know life always has a very special timing for everything. So when it's meant to come out, it's meant to come out. So. All right. Listen, fantastic to talk to you. Continued success. Thanks, PJ. Take You're care. Bye bye. What a bloke. What a guy. Graham McCormack. No words. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with a look at Cork's entertainment. Comedian Angelo Tharoukas plus guests come to City Limits Comedy Club this weekend for two shows on Friday and Saturday night. Angelo is so in demand he's travelled five times around the globe and his comedy specials It's All Greek to Me and Bigger is Better have been seen by tens of millions. Tickets are on sale now. Access all areas. Cork Opera House is set to host Puccini's La Bohem 
Game, conducted by John O'Brien and under the directorship of Connor Hanratty. The performance on December 5th will feature artists Emma Nash, Gavin Ring, Rachel Crowash and Rory Musgrave, with tickets on sale from the box office or from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. People were worried about Jason, who was our first caller this morning. He was desperately, desperately upset. Jason has been in touch, and I'll tell you what he's been saying in a few minutes' time. But he's okay. He's okay. He's he's a lot better than he was when he was speaking to me on the on the air. So I'll bring you that a bit later. We're all into the bit of DIY. Uh, I spent a lot of the jazz weekend on me all fours in the kitchen trying to replace a broken tile and trust me when you've never done it the first time is daunting but he did it and it's grand but you ever have the idea that you might just one day build your own house that the stuff would arrive in a truck and you'd take out your tools and go right here we go and would you throw all your life savings into it? That's what Esther did. Esther took been taking part in Build Your Own Own Home. Now we had Harrison Gardner, the guy behind Build Your Own Home, on the opinion line a few months ago to talk about it. Uh, Esther, you're in Clonakilty, and you've you, you you're on the show this week. Uh, how did uh-huh. it go for you? Morning. Good morning. Yeah, well, I'm sitting here very very cozy on a stormy day in West Cork, so it went really well. <laughs> Good, good. You, you literally had the cost of the building materials. Yeah. And, and that's Look, it. it. Well, there was a right, you know, the prices were all rising and it got very, very terrifying very quick because there was only this one pot of money from selling the house. And it was a case of there is no more money and how far will this actually get me? So quite quickly, I just had to accept, OK, it's definitely going to get me a shell. Um and we'll have to evolve with the rest if if needs be. But taking on as much work as we did ourselves, from foundations to roof, um, meant it was meant, meant we could do it, and we did it in budget. Would you ever have been into DIY previously? Oh, for sure, yeah. Like um, the first house I had um, with Simon, my ex-husband in in London, we I, I did all that up. It was a little tiny wreck of a place, and. Then we moved here to Cork and with us with our children when they were very small, and bought a big Georgian house. And uh, I would have really cut my teeth on that, and with my mom and YouTube, and just and just picking the brains of any tradesmen that come in, just managed to to do as much as I could in that place. So yeah, I suppose it was all a bit of a school of learning, although I didn't realise that at the time. Yeah. But anything like structural new doors going in, or you know anything like that, where people coming in, it was laying floors and you know putting up tiles and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember when I was talking to Harrison a few months back. He said, "Look, the mm-hmm. basics here." Anybody can do it once they're shown what to do. Would you agree with him? Yeah. Well, 100%. Because, I mean, the deal that we got was, you know, 10 days with Harrison, consultancy days or work days, and he would teach us all everything that we needed to know for each stage. Now, we literally put down our own rough foundation and every single other part of the build, and we got the really cool local tradesmen in that were brilliant for the bits that we couldn't do and direct labour and project managed and the whole shebang. And... I didn't think I could do that from day one, but it was drip fed and bit by bit and all the skills you've had from 50 years of living before for myself and Damien all came into play. And Harrison was just so fantastically calm and just such a brilliant teacher that it it just, you knew it was possible. 
bit by bit you knew it was possible. Yeah. And when you sit there in your house mm-hmm. down in West Cork <laughs> and it's a bit wild, I'd say, down there today. Very wild. Last night was crazy. I actually dreamt, to be honest with you, all the front windows blew in. <laughs> so I was very delighted when I went downstairs and they were still there. <laughs> how does it how does it feel to sit there and go, I did this. We did this. <laughs> Do you know, we've had so many chats about it. We've sat over a glass of wine, sitting in the snug and saying, you know, there is 11 layers between us and the dirt because we put them all there. You know, we remember exactly what the weather was like when we were trying to get that corner right, when we couldn't quite get the angle of the house right on the foundation until we head scratched and got it. You know, we've got such an emotional connection. I mean, we know how many nails and screws went into the place because we put them all there. You know, it gives you a completely different relationship to the space that you're in. And and were there also times, and I'm sure when we watch the show we'll find out, but were there mm-hmm. also times when you shook your head and go, I can't do this? Do you know, it was pretty horrific. There was times when I said, um, I have no business here. I have absolutely no business here. I'm a fool. I'm a 50-year-old woman. <laughs> Menopausal, not strong enough, like completely emotional wreck. I have no business being here. And then you get over that hurdle and you go, okay, okay, I can, I can, and I'm back. But of course, Jesus, it's 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 not for the faint of heart. There's no two ways about it. But you just can't look too too far ahead. You have to have the bigger picture all, yeah. all the time, but take on the tasks. Plus, the, bit there's, by bit. there's a hole in the ground, and you have to put something into it. And exactly. <laughs> no, and a very expensive hole in the ground if we left it there. So it's upwards or, or out the gap, one or the other. We look forward to it. It's, it's on tonight at 9.35 yeah. on RT1, sure uh, Esther Foreman. Thank you for being with me on the Opinion Line, the programme called Build Your Own Home with Harrison Gardner and Esther Foreman. Clonakilty. West Cork, and they went through some pretty lousy weather while they were building it. Well done. Look, I have to look forward to that tonight. Really do. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Well done to Graham, talking about his addiction, his honesty, and his honest story will help so many people. Best of luck. And Ness says, great interview. Uh, fair deuce to Graham and indeed to PJ. No, he did the talking. I just asked him a few questions, but I do appreciate that. So Jason was back on to us. You know how deeply, deeply upset Jason was about the comments of Father Sean Sheehy. He was back on to say he wanted to thank 96M for having him on. Since he went on, he's had loads of texts supporting him and supporting people like him. And it's just a great feeling to know that love is greater than judgment. Uh, Thanks to PJ in particular, because I was so emotional and he was very kind. Well, that's very kind of you to say that, Jason. And I really appreciate it. We got a red carpet exclusive. Crossy was in London hanging out with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. That's easy. Well, I know he's Irish and I know I'm Irish. And so, I mean, what you're trying to do is we go out there to sell the film. Like, it hasn't been sponsored by Board Falcher. So, anything that we're saying is true. Do you know, uh, when, when Colin Farrell gets a movie script and his agent is negotiating deals, it's X amount of millions for Colin mm-hmm. and then it's a million each for both of his eyebrows. Is this, did you know that? Did their own representation do they, they have their own representation if you want Colin's eyebrows and, and they also have separate representation yeah. so if you can't do the deal with both of them you could only get Colin Farrell with one eyebrow incredible Casey and Ross in the morning get into gear for 2023 with no DC Cars Blackpool Skoda's sales dealer of the year open 24-7 at nodc.com Corks 96 FM 
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, welcome back to Father Sheehan, or Father Sheehy rather, and his, uh, his sermon in Listall at the weekend. That conversation going on throughout the morning. It's in all your newspapers. It's across all your news today. He has doubled down on what he said yesterday or at the weekend in a, an interview, a brief interview at the newsroom on Radio Kerry. So we'll come back to that conversation with a few more people want to get in on that before we finish. Also, I did this earlier on, but I think it might have been swallowed up in what Father Sheehy was saying. Uh, and what people were saying about that. This was um, Ian, who was on TikTok uh, over the weekend in the aftermath of what looked like a cracking night at the Jazz Festival. Now, a great night out and everyone partying hard into the wee small hours of the morning, and that's fantastic, and that's what the jazz is all about. But when Ian took a walk up Washington Street after the dust had settled... He was very unimpressed by what he saw. This car, what a disgrace. As you can see, above the central, all across the city, comes the courthouse as well. <laughs> Fairly bad, like, you know what I mean? This is Cork. It's terrible to see, unfortunately. Put it in the bin. That's all I said to you. Yeah, it looked like the most decadent days of the Roman Empire when it, the punters were finished with it. 0818 96 96 96. But day in, day out now, we hear about vacant homes around our city and around the country in, in general. And the statistic is out there that there are more vacant premises than there are people who need them. In other words, if we could use up all the vacant premises up and down the country we wouldn't have a homeless crisis because we could provide a home for everybody. And a few years ago, I remember it was during an election campaign, I remember taking a drive around the north side of the city uh, with Tommy Gould. And uh, Deputy Gould, you weren't Deputy Gould at the time, you showed me, Tommy, the places um, that were derelict that I mightn't have thought about. And I saw places with trees growing out of them and roofs that had fallen in and places that had been just left to go to rack and rot and to ruin. And many of them are still there in the midst of our homeless crisis. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, PJ, that's, that's the crying shame about this, that if me and you were to get back into the car and drive around the, the same vacant and derelict houses that we looked at a number of years ago, they're all still there. And PJ, I listen to your show there regularly. Virtually every week, you're talking to people who either are in homeless accommodation, who can't get homeless accommodation, people who can't afford to pay the rents because the rents are too high, or people who can't buy a house. People who actually want who want to buy a house can't buy them because the the cost of trying to buy a house now is beyond most people's reach. And here we are then, and according to the the census and um, the different uh, figures that came out, there are 166,000 vacant houses in the state and there are 9,400 of them in Cork. 
with 140, with 1,448 derelict as well. So between the two of them, you're talking about 11,000 empty homes right now. Right now, we could clear the housing list in Cork if we went away and turned those around. Uh, How? And the thing about it, PJ, you see, PJ, it takes much longer to build a house than it does to renovate a house. So, and it's much cheaper and it's actually much better for the environment. So, like PJ, we looked at areas now. There are, there are houses now that not five minutes walk for me that could be turned into homes within three or four months. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about. Where if you're going to build a new house in the state, you're talking four or five years. Mm. So, like, we have a crisis now. So, so let's say I own the houses that are within three or four minutes' walk from where you are. So let's say I have them. They're mine. They're there. And I've yes. done nothing with them for years. What do you propose to do? Well, PJ, it's funny now you say that because over the summer I met one of these people. And this guy comes up to me and he said, uh, he said, Thomas, uh, you'll have to put my house on the derelict site register. And he told me where the house was. And I said, I did. Because I said, it has been empty for over 30 years. And he said, I didn't have the money to do it up. But since he got on the derelict site register, he's after going to the bank. And now he's turning this same property into a three-bedroom apartment and a two-bedroom apartment. And was it was because... I contacted Cox City Council to get the site on the derelict site register, to get them to put a levy on him, to pay a, a fee, to pay a levy for leaving it lying rotten, that he is now turning into two accommodations. And he's going to make a very good rental income over it, and two families are going to be housed. So this is what happens. Like, I don't, I don't want to penalise people. Where did but he find the money to do it up just because it was on the derelict register? But PJ, I believe he had the money all the time. He just couldn't be bothered. This, this same guy owns property all over. But this, on, oil, see why, but this is the point I can't get, and I've never been able to understand it. And no one's ever come on to my show who no, owns these places and say why you would let something go to such rack and ruin that there's trees growing out the, the skylight. Why would you? Because what is in it for someone to do that? PJ, what's in it is the value of the properties are going up. Like, you, the value of property in Cork has gone up. It's nearly doubled since 2008, 2009, when we hit the financial crisis. So there are people sitting on properties and they're using them as assets and they're using their value to improve their, their net worth. So it, it, it actually pays them to sit on these assets. So uh, are you talking about seizing assets, seizing, seizing, seizing possessions? Is, is that what you're talking about, Tommy? No, what I'm talking about, PJ, is putting on a, a, a vacant property tax. The government, like we have a derelict sites tax mm. of 7%. I want that enforced. It's not being enforced properly. Like the, the levels in the city are bad, but the levels in the county are, are shocking. And the other thing, the government denounced... I sit in the housing committee in the Doyle and we had meetings about dereliction and vacancy and we had Frank and Jude on who do brilliant work. Fabulous Absolutely work, yeah. fabulous work on this, right? And we had them in the Doyle in front of us and we brought forward solutions and we brought them to the Minister, Darrell O'Brien. And his solution and Michael McGrath's was to bring in a vacant homes tax of 0.3 of a percent, less than half a percent. Now, PJ, if the value of your house is going up the property is going up at least 7% a year. Where's the incentive for you 
and worry about paying 0.3 of a percent. Mm. So what we're saying is there should be a levy on, like you look at what happened in France, you look at what happened in Canada, th- these levies are happening right across uh, developed countries all over the world, where if you don't, if you sit on property, like in Amsterdam... But, but like, the, 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 uh, the right to private property is is very much enshrined in our law and and if I own and have paid for a property, then I can let it go to rack and ruin. That's my right. That's my possession. I'm not saying it's right, Tommy, but that's my that's my right to do so. Well, PJ, we're in the middle of a housing crisis where people cannot find homes. Mm-hmm. I have 14 families now who are overstaying their notices to quit. They're all going to become homeless by Christmas because the new... Um, the, the, the new, uh, no, note that I said I'm not them. right in what I'm yeah. doing, but I'm saying what what are you su- are you suggesting that the government would have powers to to seize my property? What Did I'm suggesting is the government. No, what I'm saying is the government in the crisis times can bring in crisis measures which we see during COVID. Okay. And we are in the middle of a housing crisis now. And for people to think because they own a property, like Owen O'Brien makes the, makes the analogy, um, it, it was like hoarding food during the famine. And we know that yeah. happened, you know, and it's the same now. But are you suggesting that a minister homes? or a government should have power? And this is the, quest, this is the key question I'm trying to get. Would you be suggesting, Tommy, by the way, a lot of people will agree with every word you're saying here, but are you suggesting that the government in a crisis such as we undoubtedly have would have the power to seize? I would say they should have the power to CPO and turn them into homes. Which is kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, well, we're not looking to take anything off anyone, PJ, but what we're looking to do is solve a crisis. And I'm sitting now in Shannon Street and Cathedral Road and I'm looking at houses right. um, between either my house or my office that are empty right now and I have people coming into me walking past these homes. Right. Like I, I was in Shannon Street this morning and there's, there's houses off Shannon Street that have been vacant for years and there are people saying, Thomas, I live in that. I do it all oh, myself. Oh, and, and we've had that. We've had that over the years. And where it goes, it goes. We'll see. Come here. Something else you've been on about. It started on the 9th of August. And it doesn't affect me because of the way I drive into work in the morning. But it affects a lot of people. You you want the, the decision changed with regards to the bridges. Why? Well, well first of all, PJ, we're supporting uh, the work that Coxley Council are doing to have bus corridors and make it easier and quicker for people to to get to work or to school or to college or hospitals. Just new, uh, stopping people taking a right turn over Patrick's Bridge and Christie Ring Bridge is causing traffic chaos. Uh, I see it myself. What we're seeing now is a lot of people still don't understand you can't go right, especially anyone who's not local. Um, Last Friday, myself and Kenneth Council, Kenneth Collins and McNews, and went down to um, to the Opera House, and we stood by the bridge for twenty minutes to see, and to someone's going to get killed. And it, at the end of the day, no, I know no people are saying people shouldn't be taking the right turn, but people are so used to doing it. Not everyone understands they shouldn't, but even at that PJ, if. We have a a big plan for modernising traffic circulation in the city and big plans have to start with steps like this. They have to start somewhere. 
Please, yeah, that's fine. But if a plan is not working, you need to adjust the plan. I'm not looking for the plan to be scrapped. I'm looking for the council to go away and look at this plan because it's not working. PJ, a taxi driver rang me this morning and he said that they don't want to pick up people at Merchants Key anymore because of the cost to the customer. Because if you pick up someone coming out of Merchants Key you know, with their shopping, they can't go over right over Patrick's Bridge. They can't go right over um, Tristan Bridge. They can't do a U-turn to go down towards Brian Baru. So they have to drive all the way up to the Norkia Bridge, up Shannon Street. So if you're someone living in Mayfield or Ballivalen, like the cost that it's putting on people and the other thing, PJ, is we're trying to get people out of the cars. We're trying to do things that are better for the yes. environment. Yeah. Having people sitting in cars for long periods of time struck in gridlock. And the examiner had a report out at the weekend, an article, which says Cork is one of the most gridlocked cities in Europe. And this is actually making things much worse. So, PJ, like, you're talking to people all the time. Don't ask me. I'm only telling you what. Oh, we had an hour of it here the other morning. People are and people are waiting for it to get an awful lot worse uh, coming into the depths of winter, particularly the two-way on Brian Baru Bridge and all that. But the only thing is, you know yourself, Thomas Gould, and you spent long enough in there. You can't fight City Hall. City Hall have made this decision. They ain't going to reverse it for you or me. Well, PJ, what I think they need to look at this is a big overall plan, right? It's going to take years so to to actually finish. But my thing is, PJ, if you're trying to take cars out of the city centre, you must have buses. People must mm. be able to get to work, mm. school and college. Last week, uh, a, f- a friend of mine, Golly Flynn, rang me. He was an hour and 20 minutes waiting for the number three bus. Like, yeah. if you're waiting an hour and 20 minutes for a bus... You get no argument from me You get no argument yeah. from me So, PJ, there. what we're saying is a bit of common sense. We're not looking for it to be scrapped. We're looking for it to be reviewed and common sense and listen to the people, listen to people who are driving cars and taxi drivers and people who know what they're talking about. All right, good man. Thank you. Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central. Whatever about the derelict houses, you could argue that till the cows come home, milk themselves and go back out into the fields. But bridges and the change of direction on the bridges, which happened on the 9th of August where you can't go right over Patrick's Bridge and you can't go right over Christie Ring Bridge and it's two-way now over Brian Baru Bridge. And I've been victim to it myself coming into town at the weekend, dropping something, dropping my daughter in into town, actually, at one point, where she lives in, inside in town. And I realised, oh, bugger, i got to go all the way around now because I can't. So, Councillor Gould, or sorry, uh, Deputy Gould, wants that reversed. Now, Personally, I think if Thomas stands up on the roof of City Hall as naked as the day he came into the world with a banner unfurled and stands there shouting about reversing, it won't be reversed. Ain't going to happen. But he still wants it done. 0818 96 96 96. There is a tree down. Details in a sec. Why did the police get to riots early? Then I to beat the crowd. <laughs> ah, that's very good. <laughs> What's well, big and green and would kill you if it fell out of a tree? It's a, a snooker table. <laughs> Um, what's the best thing about Switzerland? That I... I don't know either, but their flag is a big plus. <laughs> hey, Victoria. Yeah? Why is four a coward? Don't know. Because he's too squirreled. 
Casey and Ross in the morning. Get into gear for 2023 with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Skoda's sales dealer of the year. Open 24-7 at NoLDC.com. Courts 96 FM. Okay, Louise was on the WhatsApp voice note. There's word of a tree down. Hi, 96 FM. There's a tree down on the photo road that's just hanging over the wall after one of the bad bins. If you could ask uh, drivers to take care and approach. Thank you. Okay, tree down. And I'm not surprised if there won't be more of them uh, by the end of the day. Thank you, Louise. The best way to get in touch with us nice and quickly like that is a WhatsApp voice note 083 Now, let us get back to that homily that was made over the weekend uh, by Father Sean Sheehy in Listole. He was covering for the parish priest. Parish priest is away on a pilgrimage at the moment. And he, Canon Declan O'Connor, is the parish priest. And he was standing in for him at the Vigil Mass on Saturday evening and at the uh, Daily Mass on the Sunday. And I believe he also said Mass again on Bank Holiday Monday. And some of the things he said have made national news. Uh, He gave a sermon that could only be described as fire and brimstone. I was talking to a a woman there a few weeks ago, her 17-year-old daughter who was out with her friends in Tralee, came home and she handed her mother a condom. The mother said, where did you get that? She said, an HSC van was handing these things out uh, in, in, in Tralee. And she said, my gracious me, that is promoting prom- promiscuity. That is horrible. Horrible. What is so sad today is you rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. It's rampant. And we see it, for example, in the legislation of our governments. We see it in the promotion of abortion. We see it, for example, in the, in the example of this lunatic approach of transgenderism. We see it, for example, in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is sinful. That is mortal sin. And people don't seem to realize it. But it's a fact. It's a reality. Yeah, there is an American twang in Father Sheehy's voice because he was in the States for many years, coming back to Kerry in 2007. I think he's, he was in Baton Rouge in Louisiana for years. But I think he is semi-retired now, but he fills in. For people like Canon Declan O'Connor. He has been censured by the Bishop of Kerry, Bishop Ray Brown, who issued a statement in the wake of that particular homily, saying he was aware of the deep upset and uh, and, and hurt. Kevin, what did you think of it all? Morning. Morning. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not shocked, but I am in a way because you know, I watched the I watched the video and I watched it again because the first time I watched it, I was like, "Nah, he didn't stand up and say that." So I went back and I watched it again, and it was proper hellfire and brimstone stuff. Mm. And some of the stuff that he was talking about was reminiscent of stuff I wouldn't have heard this in the eighties when I was growing up. Never mind decades previous. And I think it's just the priest is showing his age because. He's, he's got form as well for being controversial. So 
I think he's pushing 80 now, and he was standing in for the parish priest in the stall. So it's not his parish. He was just standing in yeah. for the weekend. He'd done the Saturday night. And he, he were, he'd done the same on the Saturday night as he did on the Sunday. And it was just, I mean, the way he come out with, so, okay, is the stuff that he's talking about, is he technically correct? Yeah, probably is. Look, I'm a very casual person going to church. So technically, you know, he probably is correct. That's fine. But if you stand up there and really go after people the way he did, especially when you talk about the, the HSC are promoting promiscuity, no, they really aren't. They, the, the, the conversation he was describing about a 17-year-old getting a condom in Chile is what I would hope for to happen. That's what should happen because you're promoting safe sex. You're yeah. promoting people looking after themselves and being careful. You know, in this day and age, that should be normal. That isn't controversial. That should be the norm. And the idea that he will be stand up, standing up and condemning that, that to me is just not on. That's not good enough. And I, I understand that Bishop Kerry is, this is the second Bishop of Kerry now who's had to come out and apologize for this guy. You know, at what point do you turn around and say, look, okay, you've done your service. Thank you very much. Go away and retire. You know, we've had referendums on this stuff. The vast majority of the population voted in a certain way that don't agree with you. And it's not like people who are gay or lesbian or transgender or whatever are going into your church and getting in your face about it. They're not. He might argue, well, look, the referendums were held. The result is what it was and the law is what it is. But my beliefs are what they are. And the church's teaching is what it is, as I understand it. And my job is to tell the people in my church that, that the church is teaching. He might answer like that. I don't know. If he wanted to answer that, I'd love to hear him answer it. You know, I'd love to hear him come out and pick up the phone to the station and say, he's talking nonsense, this is what I wanted to say, and I have every right to say it, but I don't think he's going to. Yeah. And the other side of it is, people voted with their feet. I listened to the last 30 seconds, and he, and he condemned the people who were walking out and praised the people who stayed. So it's like, you know, talk to the people who want to agree with him, but he's not interested in those people who want to confront him and who just listen to what you have to say is that, look, I come to Mass, I don't want to hear this. Mm. And they, they, they voted with their feet and they left. And good for them. Yeah. But even the bishops come out and said, look, this is, goes against the laws of the land and what we want, we want an inclusive church for everybody. Yes. You can't have an inclusive church for everybody and then a priest standing at the pulpit delivering that sermon, not once, but twice. Yeah, I'm not sure that you can sack a priest, um, nor that would, anyone would no. call for the sacking of a priest, but what should the bishop do? I think this... Look, I just don't... At his age, I don't think he should be used in the way he's been used. It, it's a case... Look, he, for me, by the sounds of it, he's, he's standing in now for people who are ill or who can't deliver mass. This, this is a problem in itself for the church going forward. I go to look, I go to mass and it tends to be funerals, weddings, and what have you. The same as an awful lot of other people. Yeah. But I'm lucky the the fellows that I go to that I see up in when I go to mass in Newmarket, the young man, and he'll be hopefully in Newmarket. Much loved. My mom absolutely loved him, and I hope he's there for decades. Hmm. But the vast majority of the other masses that I've gone to are very elderly gentlemen, and I don't see a younger generation coming through to take their place. 
going forward, this is a big problem for the church. If they want to be an inclusive church for everybody, they're going to have to figure out a way of having people standing at the pulpit who are relatable to my generation and the generation below me. Mm. You know, and you're not going to have someone who's 80 years of age talking to someone who's in their 20s and 30s who are trying to raise their kids in the best values that they know how. They, they don't relate. They don't, they just, the two things don't meet. And that's a problem going forward that the church is going to have mm. to deal with. And that video doesn't help anyone. Do you think there are a lot of Father Sheehan's out there, Kevin? Privately, I'd say, yeah. Privately, I, I, I'd say there's a fair few. But on the other hand, there's plenty of priests that I see. Your man who be on the Late Late Show every now and again, really outspoken, and his name escapes me. But I bet you there's plenty of people like him as well who, mm. who, need, who believe the church needs to move into the 21st century and bring people with it and can't get their message out that they want to say either. That, it must be one of those weird jobs where you're really restricted about what you can say because you can have your personal private beliefs. But what you're allowed to say are two different things. And I, th- I guess that goes both ways, you know. But, I mean, in fairness, my youngest now is 18, but I remember when they were in national school, the local priest at the time, nice guy, he was in the school every week, and I'd hate to have a Father Sheehy in that role influencing kids of that age with which would be completely opposite to the values that I'm trying to raise my kids in, hmm. that they're, you know, to be inclusive and respectful of all people, irrespective of their genders. Live and let live, and let people love who they love. It's not, you know, I don't think that's unreasonable. And if that makes me a mortal sinner, then it's not heaven. I mean, it's only heaven by Catholic choice because of where I was born. If I was born anywhere else in the world, it would be a different God and a different heaven. There are those who might say, Kevin, that you or I are both damned to hell years ago anyway. But listen, we'll see what they say. Sure, all the good people are going there anyway, <laughs> as I've been told. Thanks, Kevin. No worries. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, this statement issued by the Diocese of Kerry is is important here. The bishop, uh, the, the the bishop Ray Brown issued a statement Tuesday morning. And he said, I'm aware of the deep upset and hurt caused by the contents of the homilies in question delivered over the weekend. I apologize to all who were offended. The views expressed do not represent the Christian position. Very clear there. Do not represent Christian position. The homily of a regular weekend parish mass is not appropriate for such issues to be spoken of in such terms. Subsequently, we understand he told Father Sheehy that he wasn't to say Mass again. Father Sheehy then went on Radio Kerry where he spoke to Jerry O'Sullivan about what the Bishop had said to him. Bishop Brown said today that he was going to take me off all Masses, you know, and I said, okay, fine. I told him, I said, I could care less, really. I know myself that what I said cannot be disproven by any honest-to-God Catholic Christian or Catholic teaching, and that's the bottom line. So you don't accept the verdict or the word or the instruction of your bishop? I don't. I really don't, because I think that what he's doing basically is that he's actually sacrificing the truth or he's muzzling the truth in order to appease people. Now, I have to say, in all the priests I've known in my time, and I've been a few years on this planet now, and I've met a fair number of priests in my time, I've never met one not that I can recall, 
who would agree with a word that Father Sheehy had said. I'm thinking of some of the fabulous priests that I've known in my time. Not one of them would agree with what that man had said. Um, Vanessa, your thoughts. Good morning. How are you, TJ? Good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Um, it has been a while. Uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts, really, on the, the Father Sheehy issue. Um, and I think the first thing that has to be said, he, he kind of exposes the hypocrisy that's always been at the heart of the Catholic Church. On the one hand, it's about love, understanding, etc., uh, etc. Et On the other hand, how the, how they enforce that uh, is true. Legislation is true. Um, invading people's land and and you know taking over uh, taking over everything, um, or trying to anyway. Uh, so at the you know even though they say it's all about love and understanding, the last two popes. Um, before our current Pope, uh, both said homosexuality is a moral sin. Um, it's an act of depravity. Uh, sex is purely for re- uh, reproduction. So in a way, Sean Sheehy is right. Um, and that's what's sad about it. Uh, there's nobody to, that can actually say he spoke wrong in terms of the official teachings of the church. Mm-hmm. The, the, the words of, of Bishop Brown... I've been highlighting them here. They say the views expressed do not represent the Christian position. That's a direct quote from his statement, which seems to me anyway, Vanessa, to say, well, actually, the position of the church has changed. I wish that were th- true. I really wish that were true. Um, well, either and, and this is the Bishop thing. Brown, it is. I have all. I was. I grew up in the Catholic Church. Uh, I was kicked out when I was about thirteen um, because I was interested in girls. Um, so I, I came out as bisexual at thirteen, and I was asked not to come back, basically. Um, and so the idea that uh, by a priest, yeah. this by by two priests okay. and a bishop, um, and the idea that this isn't church teaching uh, is wrong because the idea of the Catholic Church is they follow the doctrine of the Bible. Um, either the Bible in its entirety is infallible or they pick and choose. Um, and what's happening now is they pick and choose which is great because or, or they're evolving society are, evolves. Or maybe interpretations change. Like you can't change the Bible. It was written centuries ago. You can't change anything yeah. written by previous popes written centuries ago. But you can change how you interpret it. Yes, but when you talk about popes centuries ago, um, both Benedict and um, John Paul II wasn't centuries ago. True. That was only a few years ago. True, but Francis, uh, Francis is slightly softer on, on, on these things, isn't he? He is, and, and he is the one that promoted um, the, the bishop. He is the one that promoted um, Bishop Brown That's right. to bishophood. That's right. Which That's is great. Right. Because he's he's kind of promoting the better aspects of Christianity that we want to see. Here's the question that I, that However, I was asking myself since yesterday, Vanessa. Uh, the question is, yeah. who are out there? Are there more, do you think, are there more Father oh, Sheehy's out there than there are Bishop Browns? That I can't answer. In the world, possibly yes. Because, and, and I, I bring the, the idea of, uh, I bring the example of South America and Africa. Um, when Pope Benedict said that um, 
that uh, sorry condoms increase the chance of AIDS um, and promote really really damaging uh, ideas like that yeah. that's still being propagated today and so when you talk about the church you have to see it in its entirety either they're all right or they're all wrong mm. because that's what they promote so you have certain people promoting one thing in certain countries where it's allowed and other places where it won't be accepted in, in more um, advanced societies or, or Western societies mm-hmm. where we've moved on from the, those archaic beliefs. Isn't it a bit like politics, though? That the, 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 oh, definitely. The, the, the thinking of the church is based on the man or woman, if it ever yes. happens, but the man currently in charge. The, the man currently Re- in charge is far more charitable than some of his yes. predecessors. I, I do believe religion is the oldest form of politics, <laughs> to be honest with you. That um, yeah, everybody yeah. has an opinion on it. But the, but the Catholic Church are the soldiers of Jesus. That's, that's the whole, if you go back into the history of the church, they were always seen as the soldiers of Christ. Um, and Sean Sheehy, Father Sheehy, is promoting that idea. You know, we are the soldiers of, of Christ. We need to go out and tell these people that they're sinners so that they can be saved. Um, and the problem with that is, is this is not just a small entity. This is a hugely powerful entity uh, that impacts laws all over the world, that for a long time impacted our laws. Mm. You know, this is not just, and this is why it's problematic. There's always going to be the, the dichotomy of, um, different sides because different people have different beliefs uh, even inside the church in the framework of the church and as you said it's all about interpretation but the dichotomy has to be um, seen in that framework of this is a hugely powerful entity these can cause serious damage among a lot of people well, in, in our the, world You heard how hurt how deeply, deeply hurt Jason was, my first caller yeah. this morning, yeah. who's, you know, widowed and, and was saying, you know, has this man, is this man saying that my wonderful husband is in hell? Yeah. And I've talked to you before um, about my own situation. I was raped 10 years ago. I had an abortion. Um, and during the Eighth Amendment campaign, there were people from the Catholic Church come into my job and try to get me fired and, and um, set a rosary outside the door. You know, these people have not gone away. Yes. They're quiet now because it's socially unacceptable for them to be outspoken. But the second that penny drops, the second it turns around, they're the first people out. Yeah, interestingly enough, I would have friends, I would have close friends, Vanessa, who are staunch Catholics and staunch churchgoers, uh, and they're kind of saying, oh my God, Father Sheehy, would you stop? Would they're you mortified. Up? Life, has, life has changed. But I would rather deal with someone like Father Sheehy being honest about where he stands in the world than someone who pretends to be um, more socially advanced, if you know what I mean, I, I, more socially I, acceptable. I do. Because hiding those truths, hiding those truths in that dichotomy of the church is damaging yeah. in itself because they lure people in with the idea that it's all about love and understanding. It's yeah. not. Yeah. And people need to understand that. Yeah. Bishop, Bishop, Bishop Brown, the statement is strong and he did, according to what um, Father Sheehy subsequently told Radio Kerry he told him to stop saying mass and Father Sheehy just doesn't seem to care come here how does how does being a mammy sit with you? Oh I'm loving it he's four months old now I'm looking and, uh, at a picture here <laughs> he's gorgeous he is he's, he's so amazing 
Great talk. That's, that's why we haven't been talking for so long. You've been busy becoming a mammy. Vanessa, great to talk to you again. Good friend of the show for, for years gone by. Uh, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Where you stand on Father Sheehy or where you stand on Bishop Brown. Bishop Brown. Eugene said the bishop only made the statement because he's worried about losing parishioners. That is one way of looking at it. Um, you know, if we listen to these priests, we're all going to hell. I'll keep you a seat. At least we'll be warm. Five kids for marriage, two daughters, one gay, one trans. I have a red carpet waiting for me and my kids. As I said, I, 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 I would have known quite a number of priests in my time. Um, some of them better than others, as in I know them better than others. Some of them have now left the priesthood. One is driving a bus. The other is a counsellor. But I don't think any of them would have, would have gone along with this. I, I really don't think any of them would have gone along with this. Um, oh, oh, you know, D says, all my love to Jason. It reminds us how words hurt and how people can destroy with words so easily and destroy the good of humanity. Uh, feel free to read this out, says Jules. Uh, I don't go to Mass anymore. I don't need to walk into a church to feel close to God. And Rose O'Sullivan says those views expressed are in accordance with the catechism of the Catholic Church. Unfortunately, the catechism must be changed. Well, Bishop Brown is one of a new, if you like, a new wave of bishops um, elevated to the bishophood, as it were, uh, by the new Pope, Pope Francis. So it'd be very interesting to know if there are many other bishop heavens out there. Or Ray's rather, Bishop Kevin or Bishop Ray Brown's out there. I'm I'm left confused about this. What he said was appalling. He shouldn't have said it. He should absolutely not have said it. Uh, And I agree totally with what Bishop Brown has said. It has no place in a modern church. But Vanessa is also right that up to two popes ago, Benedict and John Paul, it was part of their lexicon to say things like this about gay people in particular. Pope Francis is a softer man and and a more charitable man. A nicer man, I would hasten to suggest. But you don't have to go back hundreds of years to find popes who would have said the kind of things that Father Sheehy said in Kerry. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner, best new story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96FM. Going to get a priestly view on all of this before we finish today, but I just mentioned, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow, the Abbeville Veterinary Clinic, Little Island Branch, has a charity open day tomorrow, November 3rd, 12 till 6, and they're raising funds for Munster Lost and Found and for Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. They have a great day out. Free consultations, free nail clipping for your pet. Uh, You can meet some of the Munster Lost and Found helpline animals who are waiting for forever homes. And there's other treats have been lined up. Coffee and cookies and bickies and stuff. It's all down at the Abbeville Little Island Veterinary Practice tomorrow. We'll talk more to them about it on the day itself. 
but wish them well with that and know they put a lot of work into it Mick and Donald and, uh, and Danielle the practice manager and all the nurses and vets have put huge work into do, putting this together tomorrow between 12 and 6 down at Abbeville Veterinary Practice on Little Island and it's all in aid of Munster Lost and Found and Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland and as I said more about it tomorrow right just to finish up today let us get a, the view as it were of a man of the cloth on the words of Father Sean Sheehy. Jerry O'Connor, Father Jerry O'Connor joins me from the Association of Catholic Priests. Father Jerry, morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. How did you feel when you heard what Father Sheehy said on the altar in Listol? Well, as a priest, I, I'm not usually critical or I don't pass too many comments on the sermons or homilies of other priests because. Uh, I, my own might be as good as you'd like them to be. When we were being taught how to, to preach, it was said that if you want to give a six or seven minute talk, if you want to really de- really do it well, it should take six or seven hours, about an hour per minute, unless you're going to go off on a hobby horse. If, so if you're really discerning the scriptures and trying to reflect a meaningful ref- a homily, where you might have also consulted other voices, then it, it can take almost an hour per minute. It struck me listening to Father Sheehy when people started sending me the messages on social media that there was very little preparation. He spoke about um, a hobby horse of his and that, that comes across. And so therefore... It ended up hurting instead of bringing uh, healing. I think it, it was damaging to lots of people who might um, hear it. So I found it uh, disappointing. Uh, I, I, having listened carefully to it uh, it's, and trying to be just and fair to what he was trying to say, I think that he starts by wanting to talk about sin and says we rarely hear about sin. And, and that in its own way might have been an interesting topic or, or theme, but he decided to pick out a certain, uh, what he calls sins, and use colourful language. So, so, for example, to throw in the word like lunacy in there uh, about people who are struggling or, or, or searching uh, for happiness and, and personal fulfilment uh, and understanding of who they are in life it is, without a doubt, deeply upsetting and, and hurtful. So uh, that, they, that was my impression on, on listening to his reflection. My first caller this morning, uh, Father Jerry, was uh, a man whose husband died not so long ago and he's struggling, obviously, with the loss of his beloved husband and he took Father Sheehy to mean that his late husband was in hell. Can you Can, can you reassure Jason... Well, what I would say is that being um, a, a Christian or, or Christian teaching is uh, is about finding authenticity for who we are in life. Uh, God, we are made in the image and likeness of God. So Jason's husband is made in the image and likeness of God. And so therefore, Jason's husband and Jason should be authentic to who they are and how they express themselves and in the way in which they find love. So for me, it's inconceivable if we're made in the image and likeness of, of God and Jason found love with his late husband, that, that God would in any way be uh, negative in generosity 
mercy, forgiveness. I think God would probably delight in Jason's husband being authentic to who he is. And and so always when we reflect on dimensions of, of church teaching, we must remember that as well as the church putting ideals forward about sex outside of marriage and, and retaining the, uh, the the beauty of the sec- sexual intercourse to marriage, etc., that at all times they we are also saying that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. And I think God would fully expect Jason and his husband to be authentic to who they are and how God made them. And Jerry, you know, as Vanessa made the point there, we don't have to go back very far. We go back to Pope Benedict, who is, who's still alive, and we go back to Pope John Paul before him, who held views on, on homosexuality that, that you know, one, one might be disturbed by at a time. Pope Francis, less so. The policies of the church and the interpretation of the teachings of the church, are, do you base them as a priest, I guess, Jerry, yourself as a priest, when you're preparing a sermon for a Sunday? Do you base what you're saying on the interpretation of the church's teaching today or the black and white as written hundreds, perhaps thousands of years ago? Well, I will always start when, when I'm preparing a Sunday homily. And let's remember Father Sheehy was preaching a Sunday homily. I'll base it on the scriptures. So Father Sheehy had some very interesting scriptures to choose from last Sunday. The gospel passage is about Zacchaeus up the tree and the encounter with Jesus. And the whole message of that passage is about inclusiveness and forgiveness. Jesus did not go on any type of a public shaming or rant. Instead, he went and through a shared meal had a conversation with uh, Zacchaeus where they both seemed to grow in mutual respect and understanding for each other. So Father Sheehy could have chosen that. The, The reading, the first reading from the Book of Wisdom says you about God, that you are merciful to us all and you love all that exists, and that includes Vanessa and Jason, Jason's late husband, and, and others. And why Father Sheehy would decide to ignore that in his preaching uh, is, is, is beyond me. And, and to just, uh, what I think is, is um, in, in fairness to the man, I think later on in, in his reflection, he did seem to try and reflect a pastoral concern that was brought up by a mother who was troubled by her 17-year-old daughter having been out on the streets in the evening and received HSE distributed condoms. Well, he accused the HSE of promoting promiscuity. Promiscuity. Well, I mean, and uh, I'm sure there's been lots of voices on to offer a a counterpoint of view to that, but if a mother came, if a mother like that came to me as a priest with a concern, I, I would listen. If there was a sense that something needed to be done, you would bring it up with your pastoral council, you would bring it up with uh, teachers or parents in the parish and say, get their view and see, look, is there something astray here in public policy? And then there are ways in which you can address uh, issues of uh, public uh, policy and you can do a little bit of research, look for evidence-based information that might challenge public policy. And there's so many forums, and Ireland is such a Um, It's such a small and beautiful country that actually you can often meet the politicians when you're out for a walk or other public officials and make your points without trying to judge people. I think what you're saying, Father Jerry O'Connor, is that Father Sheehy 
could have chosen better ways to say what he was saying and better better ways to put his message. Thank you for taking a call, literally in the midst of, 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 a, of a storm on this, and I appreciate your, your calm and rational approach. You can agree or disagree with Father O'Connor. We can resume this, if you wish, when we're back in the morning, just after nine. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best new story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 